Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Hey, Nicole, how are you? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, today's topic, it's a, it's a good one. A visual appraisal of horse hay. Uh, something I've dealt with quite a bit in my career talking to horse owners out in the community. Do you, I mean, what do you feel about it? when you see this topic? You're like, oh, you know, I, I, you talk about it quite a bit, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, I, I work for a company that sells stuff that comes in bags, 15 pound bags, little supplements. Yeah. The yeah. number one thing I talk about is hay quality. Yeah. I'm absolutely doing testing in, you know, different settings, especially when we're having a problem. But I mean, you can tell a lot just looking at hay, and I will tell you a dirty little secret. I have mature geldings that don't have, well, they have health issues. They don't have health issues that I need to worry about their heads. I don't test my hay at home when I buy it or we make it. It's You can tell a lot about a hay just looking at it, and then sometimes we take the next step for a hay analysis to dive deeper. Yeah, and we did, I, I, I guess I'll put that there, we did do a podcast on hay analysis uh, August 17th of 2022. So that's the more in-depth one, right? Like we can just, like a brief overview of that is they take a core sample, they send it off to a lab and it tells you what? All of the nutrients in that hay as well as the moisture level. Yeah. So when I look at a hay test, the first thing I look at is moisture level. Is the stuff dry enough? The next thing I look at are the nutrients and, you know, primarily we're looking at the composition of the fiber. I can tell a lot about that by touching and looking at hay. We're looking at the sugars. Can't tell anything about the sugars, just looking at it. And then we're looking at the mineral balance. Usually, again, that's something we can't tell looking at it. Finally, sometimes I'll send off hay for a mold analysis. Uh, you know, there's a lot of mold you can see, some mold that you cannot. Uh, so that would be something that's sometimes visually apparent, but not always. And that we can test for as well. Okay. Okay, but... And that's the 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 deep dive into your hay and hay quality, but hay quality just by the visual appraisal. Why would you want? The, why would you do that? Like, why is it important? So we're not buying junk, Chris. Um, Always, yeah. yes, yeah. This is the biggest part of the horse's diet, and and we need to ensure safety and it, to make sure it's something they'll eat. There is nothing worse than getting a load of hay and then the horses do want to eat it. That's, you know, incredibly frustrating and not saying that that can't still happen if we've kind of checked the boxes of visual appraisal. But I would say you'd avoid the majority of those issues just with making sure this hay looks and feels like good quality hay. OK, OK, well, let's I guess start there. The visual appraisal. Where, where, where would you go in your checklist? Where do you start going? OK, this is the first thing I notice. Uh, when I'm looking at hay, and then go down your list. So we're using all of our senses. So first we look at it visually, then we touch it, then we smell it. So visually, you know, number one, is it free of debris, whether that's weeds, junk, like if it was ditch hay and it has, you know, soda cans and plastic and whatever baled in it. Um, and then, of course, obviously, you know, animal carcasses, anything like that. We need it free of any of that sort of thing. Uh, next would be the color. So there, there's a range of colors of hay that are acceptable. 
And then, you know, there's a far end of the spectrum where you're like, yeah, that's not great. So when we're looking at grass type hay, um, as well as alfalfa, but certainly grass type hay when it's first cut up, it'll be green. What can happen is I, I look at the outside of the bale, obviously, but it, for a true color appraisal, you actually need to look inside the bale because one of the things that can happen during storage, if it's stored in a place where it has exposure to sunlight, the outside of the bale can get bleached and look really yellow, but it might look perfectly nice inside. But good hay will be anywhere from bright green to kind of a light green. Um, as it gets more brown in color, we're generally going down the scale. That could indicate anything from hay that's very overly mature, so it's very light in color, and also we combine that with the touch portion and it's really stemmy, stocky, pokey. That suggests it's very mature. It might be fine, but like completely brown throughout, which suggests maybe it was rained on during the harvest process, which you wash away some nutrients and there's greater risk of that hay being put up too wet if it is rained on. And then if it's brown, so like a, a real brown color, and particularly when you open these bales, they might be like really dense and they might even smell a little bit funny. That's a good indicator that hay was put up too wet. And it actually went through some fermentation. And the brownness is protein degradation. So there's an actual chemical reaction that can occur. A couple bad things here. This is like real brown, dense flake hay. High risk of mold because we know it was put up too wet. Uh, but also it's a ton of nutrients are lost in that process as well. So thinking about it from a quality perspective, there's the quality of what nutrition my horse gets from the hay. And then there's the safety impact. So looking for that visually, we can actually see mold. Not too long ago, I walked in a barn and I looked at the hay and I go, oh, this is moldy. And they're like, what? Little black spots all over it. So that's some of the mold that you can see. If you see big dust clouds coming up when you kind of shake the hay and move it around, that's generally mold as well. That's a different type of mold spore. Certainly very problematic, both from, you know, a digestive impact there's no such thing as mold-free hay, but there becomes a threshold of mold that's going to be problematic and cause digestive issues. But especially that real dusty hay that has that white cloud, incredibly problematic when it comes to respiratory health. So more horses coughing, if they have an underlying issue like heaves or COPD, they can have tremendous issues. So that's first on my list. How does this stuff look? Then I touch it. And what we're looking for grass type hay for it to be soft to the touch mm -hmm. so as hay becomes more mature it goes through a process called lignification and it gets stemmier and stockier mm -hmm. so like the far end of this process a tree has tons of lignin that is what makes a tree stand up as lignin increases in our hay it becomes less digestible so when i look at a hay test and i look at those fiber components our ads and ndf I don't ever have to see the hay. And I say, hey, the horse is leaving a lot of this behind. Is it pretty stemmy and stocky? And they go, how did you know? Well, the test tells me the same thing that I can feel and see that because that hay is overmature, very stemmy and stocky. The two issues that happen here, not a lot of nutrition. That lignin binds your other nutrients. So there's less calories. It even binds up some of the minerals in your hay. And not nearly as palatable. So Going back to that concept of, uh, it's horrible to buy a load of hay and the horses don't eat it. One of the reasons they don't eat it is 
because if it's very stemmy and stocky, it's not very digestible and it's not very palatable. So, so far we have, we've looked at it, we've felt it, uh, and then we smell it. And, uh, you know, a couple different things. It's like a very fresh smell. I don't, there are candles that literally smell like hay. I don't know how they do that because I, I can't even, one, yeah. I can't even describe it. Uh, but it's a very fresh smell. So if it smells musty or it smells bad, those are not good signs. Um, and sometimes in a situation where hay was put up too wet um, and it's relatively early after it's been put up, it'll, it'll go through fermentation, which, you know, the old school way to say that was it was curing. Guys, hay doesn't need to cure if it was put up dry enough. So during that curing, curing, quote unquote, process, when the bale sweats, we don't want that to happen. What's happening is fermentation. So if you open a bale during that process, a lot of times it'll smell a little bit acidic because of those fermentation products that are happening. I had one situation where we tested some hay. It was a farm that just had multiple colics and it, it was not good. Um, but ultimately, when I got their hay test back, the moisture was really, really high and it was relatively fresh cut. So that hay wouldn't necessarily have been safer after it had been through the curing process because it was definitely going to mold. Mm -hmm. But those fermentation end products during that curing process were creating a lot of digestive issues as well. So we can get an indicator both on the smell, also the touch. I mean, if hay feels damp, it's been put up too wet. I, I, I was like fascinated listening to you because I just like all this, these memories and, and, and just, you know, of, of, of dealing with, I haven't dealt with alfalfa in so long and the smell of alfalfa. And, and I mean, I love, you know, good grass hay too, but I just remember alfalfa just had such a sweet smell. I just miss it. I miss it. Oh, I, I'm glad you brought up alfalfa um, because I, I should point out, we, we generally discussed grass hay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, the most common hay fed in most of the parts of the country that I travel to. More often, we're doing supplemental alfalfa, although there are some horses that are completely fed alfalfa in other areas. But, uh, but a couple, you know, little differences. Most of it still applies. Does it feel dry? Is it not moldy? X, Y, Z. Um, alfalfa is a much brighter green. So a brown alfalfa is really, really not great. Then the other thing with alfalfa, if you take a close look at it, you're looking at the stem to leaf kind of ratio. And the leaves are where like the majority of the good nutrition are. So if it's a really stemmy alfalfa, particularly if it has a lot of the flower heads, that means it's more mature. It can get very pokey. So some horses, even though they generally love alfalfa, over mature alfalfa can be challenging to get them to eat. And then um, if it doesn't have a lot of leaves, it's not as nutritious. The other component is that we can have what's called leaf shatter. So alfalfa. It's interesting. We're always trying to get grass hay dry enough, and there's really no such thing as too dry of a grass hay when you put it up. Alfalfa is a little bit different. If, you know, there's this kind of tighter window where you definitely don't want it wet. We have those mold issues. But if it gets too dry, it experiences a lot of leaf shatter. So there's a pretty delicate balance when they're bailing alfalfa such that you don't want it too wet. But if it's super, super dry, those leaves kind of break apart and they fall off and there goes the majority of your nutrition. Uh, alfalfa also, I mean, it can be infested with what's called the blister beetle, um, very toxic to horses. So that's something we would want to keep an eye out for specifically in alfalfa. Yeah, no, I, that's good because I just I, I was 
I just remember it because when I think about hay quality or visual appraisal, like, you know, in California, young student feeding a lot of alfalfa, like, oh, this is good horse hay because it's, it's so predominant there. We don't have grass hay. We do. I just don't know where to find it. But then I moved to Texas and I was like, what is this junk we're feeding horses? And that was a grass hay because I had been so used to feeding alfalfa for years and years and years. Um, so like you said, visual appraisal is important. One of the things you said was it was no weeds. How, how do you know which ones are bad? How do you know if there's too many weeds in there? That's a tough one. Oh my gosh, Chris. So I, I did have to take an agronomy class in undergrad. I'm not <laughs> great at this. Yeah. No, so, you know, where what you can do is look to your local extension. Um, often there's a lot of online resources specific to your region. There are so many weeds and some of them are just unpalatable and like not cool. Some of them can cause major issues like coriolisum, causes laminitis. Uh, there are multiple different weeds that when the horses consume them, they can have hyper photosensitivity where like especially white noses can be some cracking. Those ones vary depending on what part of the country you're in. So my recommendation would be to A, be familiar with what's local to you. And a lot of times there's a local guide with pictures. They'll show them when they are fresh and when they are dried. And that is a fantastic resource to be able to identify what specific weeds are in your hay. It's more challenging when you live somewhere where you're importing a lot of hay. And, and that can go two ways. That is a big business. And there are definitely sources where there's a high level of quality control. So you can feel pretty confident that comes to knowing your hay importer, your hay supplier. If, you know, they're they're bringing in small loads, that, that can be a little bit more challenging in terms of understanding what sort of background quality control was there. So asking where it came from, being familiar, again, getting those guides to what weeds are common in those parts of the country. It, it's definitely very challenging when you're in that situation to make sure you have safe, clean hay. Because at the end of the day, you know, when we talk about quality, uh, I want it soft. I don't want to see a lot of seed heads, but I can work with you in the bell curve of okay hay to fantastic hay. But unfortunately, the safety component, there's there's not a lot of shifting that line. It has to first and foremost be safe. If we have to feed a few more calories or add a little bit extra digestible fiber in a year that the hay quality is not great, but it's still safe, we can do that. Uh, but your number one concern is certainly that safety component, and weeds are a big part of that. Now, I'm a horse owner. I, I spent all the, like you said, nothing's worse than buying hay and the horses refuse to eat it, or I find issues with it. And, and I just spent a lot of money buying this hay, shipping it to my farm. What should they do with it? I guess this is going to be a two-parter. If the whole load of hay is kind of bad and you're like okay this is a bad quality hay can they sell it not to another unsuspecting horse owner i wouldn't do that but you know could cows eat it that's what i'm trying to think could they sell it to to, to another species where that hay is still usable ah good question yeah. sometimes yes sometimes no so mm -hmm. some of the same safety concerns certainly apply to other livestock species Generally, cattle, for example, are a little more tolerant of some of those things. So a lot of times you will, like if you're on Facebook looking at like the hay for sale and wanted groups, it'll say horse quality, cattle quality. So mm -hmm. there's a little bit wider range of what's acceptable for cattle. There is such thing as hay that not even other livestock 
you know, species can consume as well. And now hopefully you're not in that situation and you will have identified like major issue before it gets to your farm. So resale is potentially an opportunity. Or frankly, rejecting that load and bringing it back to your hay supplier. A good hay supplier will stand behind their product and refund you or replace it with hay from a a different cutting, a different field, whatever that may look like to be a quote unquote different lot of hay. Oh, that's excellent advice. Yeah. I mean, they, they want sustained business, not just a one-off sale. So uh, very good. Now, if I have a bale and one end of the bale is moldy, but the other end looks okay, is it okay just to cut that bale in half and throw away the mold and feed the other half? It depends on your risk tolerance, Chris. <laughs> so, you know, I would say, obviously, supervisual mold is easy to identify. There still can be lower levels. It's not as apparent. So my recommendation and my comfort level, toss the whole bale. Same thing if we find dead animal in one. Botulism's real ugly. It's just... You look at it, you're like, ah, that was five, six, ten, fifteen, twenty-five dollars a bale. Depends mm-hmm. on where you live, how mm-hmm. big that bale is, whatever. That's still way less expensive <laughs> than even the most minor of vet bells. Yeah. Or the colic surgeries that you've had to deal with. <laughs> yes. yes. Not no. hay related, but no. very expensive. Yeah, you don't want to go down that. You don't want to go down that route. All right. Any final tips? I mean, that was a great discussion. I think you really covered the visual appraisal, but anything else uh, you would recommend? You know, my final recommendation, obviously you want to do all this appraisal. If you have a horse who's very sensitive to sugars and starches, let's test the hay. We can't look at it and know. If you have a breeding operation and there's any sort of legume in the mix, let's test the hay. We cannot look at it and no calcium to phosphorus ratio. Ultimately, I'd also encourage you to think, I I just gave my examples as hay price by the bale. Um, I I would encourage you to think about that and not just evaluate the price per bale. How much do those bales weigh? What is the quantity? If I can get cheap hay, but it's not great hay and I end up feeding so much extra concentrate and my horses waste half of it, that can ultimately be less economical. So just I'd recommend when we're making this decision, we look at the big picture of the diet in terms of cost, because it is a significant investment and it's part of our horse's overall diet. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. I, I, I sense a future podcast on f- the cost of feeding horses. I don't know. I don't know if we've ever ah, covered that, but yeah. but that, that made a lot of sense. So you're saying it because it's like invest a little bit more on the hay side. You won't have to pay so much on the uh, the concentrate side. So I'll add that. But if any listeners, if any of these discussions bring up any sort of topics we haven't covered yet, please contact us. Uh, It's always in the show notes. You can send a quick email. Hey, I'd really love to hear a topic on this. Or you can go to uh, Facebook and look for the Tribute Equine Nutrition Group or also on Instagram. You can contact us there. But, you know, the three ways to get a hold of us, give us some topics to, to talk about and we'll add them to the list of future podcast topics. But thank you so much for listening. Nicole, great job today. Yeah, that, that was that was really good. And and, and I think it's I, I know the listeners appreciate it, you know, the the stuff that they can go, oh, okay, yeah, this because this applies to everybody. So so thank you so much. Oh, thanks. Happy to talk about hey anytime. <laughs>